Cherryfield, Maine is the wild blueberry capital of the world. Raspberries are really clusters of druplets. A banana is technically a berry. Don't judge a fruit by its cover. Welcome to the Nature of Phenology, where we share the cycles and seasons of the outdoors. I'm your host, Hazel Stark, and this episode was written by Joe Horn. One day last August, after having fixed myself a salad for lunch at my office, I noticed that the stump from the lettuce and the peelings from the carrots pushed the capacity of my compost pail to the max. So I slipped on my boots and trudged down behind the red barn towards the spot where grass gives way to a thicket of alder, feral apple trees, and a variety of other small trees and shrubs where the compost heap is slowly reduced to soil. As I was shaking out the last of the kitchen scraps that were reluctant to leave the compost bucket, I looked up into the tangle of small trees to notice that tree after tree was drooping low with cluster after cluster of perfectly ripe fruit, and the topic of today's episode, choke cherries. I ran back to the office to get my coworker to show her what was the most impressive display of wild tree fruit bounty I have ever seen. We stood there in the tall grass, jaws gaping at the display of radiant fruit. Some trees bore cherries as dark as ebony. Others were scarlet red and caught the sun like so many plump rubies. I walked over to a tree whose fruit were a dark, rich red reminiscent of Washington State's Bing cherries. I plucked two cherries from a cluster and popped them into my mouth to savor their wild sweetness. But as soon as my teeth crushed the thin pulp of these cherries, the juice squished across my tongue and my mouth was instantly flooded with unfettered tartness, bitterness, and puckering astringency as though my mouth was stuffed with cotton. I spat out the pulpy pits from my mouth along with as much juice as I could. Behind that assertive combination of unpleasantness, however, was the subtle charm of cherry perfection. Well, I could have told you they tasted bad, I heard my coworker chide from behind, hands on hips, head shaking in disapproval. Did she end that sentence with a dummy? It was implied. They are called choke cherries, after all. I later learned from her that though these cherries are downright awful for eating, it was a prized jelly fruit among her Aroostook County family. A jelly that was so smooth, so vibrant, that it was reserved to adorn the tops of thumbprint cookies or to be slathered on dense, chewy anadama bread straight from the wood cook stove. Having never inherited this special recipe, she immediately sent off an email to her aunt, whose expertise runs the gamut from field botany to ash basketry, from landscape painting to geology, and from quilting to, well, anything to do with the natural sciences and traditional handcrafts and arts. A real Aroostook County Renaissance woman. Her recipe couldn't be simpler. Buy a box of dry pectin and follow the recipe on the box for the sour cherry jam. We hastily picked nearly four gallons of the vibrant cherries, made it into even more gallons of jelly juice, and then passed the whole lot off to her mom to be turned into what was one of the finest jellies I have ever had. Dense, velvety, and translucent, the flavor was a perfect balance of tartness and sweetness with not even so much of a hint of the bitterness or astringency the unprocessed fruits are full of. In short, this jelly was the heat of an August day and the cool calm of an August night preserved in little quilted glass jars to be opened in dark, snowy January. So this weekend, you can head out in search of the plump little cherries and could even try your hand at making your very own choke cherry jelly. 
Just be sure to bring out a field guide to be sure that you correctly identify your cherries amid the near-boundless bushes and trees and shrubs that are adorned with fruit this time of year. You can download this episode and find a link to the transcript, contact information, photos, and information about how to subscribe to the show as a podcast by visiting archives.weru.org. Have a nature question that you want us to answer in our show? Simply reach out to us. Theme music was by a pileated woodpecker made available by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Thanks for listening, and please join us next week for another dive into the nature of phenology. (laughs) 